Well, good morning. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We're so thankful that you are here. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. Did you have a Merry Christmas? The big question is, for some of you, it's not over yet. How many have another gathering to attend? Yep, gift keeps on giving, right? The Christmas season. Uh, I hope you had a great one. We had a wonderful Christmas time. And I'm just reminded every single year why it's so good. I just get to spend time with my family. Uh, and specifically, my three precious girls. Uh, last night, I was tucking my oldest. She's five years old. And by the way, I'm under strict instructions to share the story with you. I was tucking her in bed last night. And uh, we always talk about her day, what's going on. I said, I, I, Brindley, I'm a little nervous. Well, why are you nervous, Daddy? I said, well, i got to preach tomorrow. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there. I said, thank you for reminding me, sweetheart. I kid you not, this morning... I'm, I'm, I'm getting dressed, the room's dark, she opens the door, she comes in, she climbs up on the bed, and she says, Daddy, you still nervous? Just a little bit. It's the first thing she remembered, ain't that cute? She said, yeah, just a little bit. And she said, when we're afraid, we have to trust in God. She said, she said I learned that in Cubbies, so if you are a teacher in Cubbies, thank you for indirectly encouraging your pastor through my five-year-old. Is that not precious? So this morning, I'm trusting in God. It's going to be a great day. Uh, so I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Uh, I really do. But this is the particular point in time when we start looking back at the year that we had, right? We're faced with, with the new year's coming in just a few days. So it's that point every year where we start to think about all that we did or didn't do and all that we hope is different about the new year. And I don't know about you, every year this, this comes around and sometimes it's cliche, like i got to get in the gym, you know, i gotta got to be the best me, all this stuff. So I've tried to avoid that talk, but this year we're going to dive right into it. I don't know about you, but I want 2020 to be better than 2019. You may be in that same category. You may be coming off the best year of your life, and I'm so happy that that's the case for you. But as we, as we look back, at all the good and all the bad. Some of you may be looking back at all the tears and all the failures and, and just wondering what's, what's this all about. Is the new year going to be a little bit better than the last year? Can it be a little bit better? And I promise you this morning, by the time we get done, it can be a whole lot better. You see, as believers, I'm convinced that we should not live our lives with the rearview mirror in focus. Whether it was a good year or a bad year, we can't live like that. Let's look at what Paul has for us in Philippians. We're going to read just a quick passage there out of chapter 3, 13 through 14. He says this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's talking about the perfection that comes in Christ. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Our Christian life is all about what's next, what lies ahead, not what lies behind. If we focus what's on behind, we stay in the past. God is, uh, uh, Paul is reminding us that we have to be focused on what's ahead. So as we look at 2020, this morning I want to encourage you about what all that lies ahead. And what lies ahead for you and me is the will of God. We get to be excited about that. 
We don't have to worry about how terrible 2019 was or how good it was. We don't need to worry about that. Yesterday was yesterday. Last year was last year. You see, I love the series that we just finished up because it taught us not to look back or focus on all the negatives, but it taught us to think about this God with us, that we have Jesus. And that's enough, is it not? Like we have Jesus. We don't have to worry about yesterday. We don't have to worry about last year. We've got Christ. This morning, there's, there's two groups in here. There's those that have placed their faith in Jesus, and there are those that have not. That's about as simple as I can make it, the two categories. But there's one thing that we all have in common. We're all in desperate need of Jesus. We're in desperate need of Jesus. So this morning you might be with us. And as you begin to look back at last year, and you look at everything, I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ups and the downs, and you're looking at all of last year, and you're seeing everything but Jesus. This morning may be the morning that Jesus becomes a part of your life, and 2020 becomes the best year of your life, because it's the first year of your life that you spent with Jesus. Scripture teaches us that if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So if you're in the first group and have never placed your faith in Jesus, this morning can be that morning. It really can. It's for you and it's for me. Now the second group in here this morning, those that have placed your faith in Jesus... Your 2019 may have been terrible, but God was with you. And maybe that's the only way that you're standing on your feet today, is that God was with you through all of last year. Or maybe your 2019 was the best year ever. I praise God for that. But guess what? He was with you, even in your good year. But remember, last year was last year, and this morning we're going to look, about, look at, at all what God has for us in the future for tomorrow. So we're going to dive into 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. So if you would, turn with me, 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter's one of my absolute favorite characters. I think Peter's the reason that grace was invented. If you know the story of Peter, he gives me so much hope. He really does. This was the same guy that Jesus says, get, get behind me, Satan, right? It's the same guy. We catch up with him here after a long life lived in service of King Jesus. And the, 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 the ministry that he has on this, on this paper is, Awesome for you and I to read. The, the wisdom that we can gain from him, the experience that he poured out on paper, inspired by the Holy Spirit for you and I to read, is a treasure. At this particular point, this book, he's, he's writing, he's talking to a group of believers uh, that had experienced a bad year. He, he's writing to a group of believers that were pushed to the fringes of society geographically. And because of this, they were experiencing extreme persecution. And if you know the theme of 1 Peter, the entire theme of 1 Peter is the supremacy of Christ. That means Christ is enough. Amen. Stop right there. 
So we read the book of 1 Peter, we get to chapter 4, and he continues to encourage them that Christ is enough. We're going to read verse 1 and 2, then we're going to jump down in just a second. But verse 1 and 2 says this. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. That means you've been done with sin in your life. And he reminds them in verse 2, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious. Like that word right there, that's a good, that's a good anxious. You will be anxious to do the will of God. This morning, our, our title, our theme is, It's Urgent. And I like how he used this term, anxious to do the will of God. Do you ever find that, that angst in your soul, like you want to be found in the will of God? You want to do what he has for you? He's encouraging them. Now remember, they're suffering persecution. And I'm convinced that if Peter on December 31st was to ask this group of believers how your year went, they would say, Peter, we would love a redo on AD 63. Kind of meant to be funny, joke, it's gonna laugh. I had to look that up just for the joke. <laughs> Fell flat. Golly. Man. Golly. I believe they would want to redo. But he's encouraging them, he's reminding them that they ought to have the same attitude. As Christ, for if they have the same attitude as Christ, the will of God is sure to follow. What a reminder that is for you and I. We have to have the same attitude as Christ. So as we look at 2020, it's coming for us, right? We have to have the attitude that Christ had. And if we have that same attitude, we can be found in the will of God. Peter says you have to be anxious, right? We need to be anxious to do the will of God. And I just wonder how many of you in here are looking back at 2019 and are going, man, that fell flat. I was too caught up in my circumstances and I was not focused on the will of God. We can't get that time back, so we're not going to worry about it. We're going to look what lies ahead. And we're going to be focused on making King Jesus the king of our life and be found in the will of God. We do that by having the same attitude that Christ had. I don't care if 2019 was the best or the worst year. Any year spent apart from the will of God was worthless. Let's be found in the will of God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm going to give you four points. I hear the gasp in the room. I get it. I'm three points, right? What's a new year? It's a new me. I'm going to give you four. Four points. Let's get to writing. It's urgent, right? It's urgent. This thing is urgent. Let's start reading in verse 7. That's going to lead us into our points for today. It says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So Peter lists four things for us to accomplish in 2020. Four things to focus on. At the very beginning of this, we read that he reminds his readers that the end is near. When I read that, I don't, do you read a sense of urgency coming out of, of Peter? Like when somebody reminds you that, guess what, your time's coming up, like it's going to end. We, we bend our ear a little bit. We listen. So Peter starts, he says, listen, the end is coming. It's a sense of urgency. I can just think last night at, at about the four-minute mark, Dabo Sweeney was, sense of urgency, boys, right? The time's running out. It's one of my favorite coaching sayings. Ain't that right, Brandon Kelly? Sense of urgency. Well, what if we had the same attitude with our Christian life as a football player does playing for the championship? What if we had this sense of urgency? Peter's telling his, his readers, listen, time's going to run out. What are we doing? What are you going to do with the next year? For Jesus, what are you going to do? The four things that he lists for us are this. The first one, be focused in your prayer life. As we have the same attitude as Christ, as we're focused on the will of God, he reminds us to be focused in our prayer life. This particular version, it, it reads, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Several translations say, be of sober mind and clear thought. Perhaps for you this morning, I don't know where you sit with addiction, but the word sober may really ring loud to you. And 2020 needs to be a year that you have some clear thought. We spent the last four weeks talking about all the things that cloud our minds, all the anxieties, all the stress, all the worries that get in the way of us thinking about, dwelling on the things that are above. And for us to have a meaningful, focused prayer life, we have to clear our minds. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. I totally get that. But for us to be found in the will of God and, and live an effective life for Christ, we have to have a focused prayer life. I just wonder in this room how many of you are thinking about last year and going, that was basically non-existent. And what a reminder it is for us moving into the new year that we have to be focused in our prayer life. If we want to be found in the will of God, it's essential. To have a disciplined prayer life, we have to have a focused prayer life. I want to ask the question this, this morning to you right now. What's getting in the way of your prayer life? And maybe this is the point in the sermon. Maybe, maybe this one, we don't have to go any further. This is a big one for you. What's getting in the way of your prayer life? Maybe that's where you just need to spend some time writing things out right now. Yep, that gets in the way. Yep, that gets in the way. Yep, that gets in the way. God help me. Mm, that shouldn't get in the way, but that does. 
What gets in the way of you having a focused prayer life? Peter is reminding us, to be found in the will of God, we have to have a focused prayer life. This next one, big one, love each other. Why? Because love covers a lot of sins. As we were reading this passage, is there any of you, I'm going to raise my hand early, that just wish this wasn't in there? Like, man, you could have done without that. You could have left Luke with three and cut this one out. Right? This piece of instruction, it's, from time to time, I'm sure it's tough, right? And from time to time, I wish it wasn't in there. But because of sin, we struggle to love. Because of sin, we struggle to love. Especially if the sin affects you directly. You're even more on the struggle bus. I want you to understand at this particular point, Peter was addressing a group of believers, all of whom have experienced the love of Christ. I want to remind you this morning, if you are in that second category and you've placed your faith in Jesus, you've experienced the love of Christ. So this word love should not be foreign to you. Peter's reminding them, love each other deeply. Why? Because it covers sins. It covers sins. And I love the way that he uses cover. Covers over sins. Listen, I'm not Jesus. I cannot, I don't have the power to forgive you of your sin. You don't have the power to forgive me of my sin. But I can and I will love you. And you can love me. Remember, he's talking about the body of believers. What we have here is really special. We can love each other. And moving forward into this new year, we need to be reminded that the love that we have for each other covers over all the mess in our life. Or it should. This is a, this is, this is a, it's a big word. Love's a big word. I want you to think back to the last wedding you were at. Guys, kick it into gear. Kick it into gear. Think about it. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to quote it all. But what is love, right? It's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It keeps no record of being wrong. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It endures through every circumstance. There's a lot more said there, right? But love is a loaded term. And 1 Corinthians 13 is not just meant for two people getting married. It's meant for you and me as we work this thing out as believers. We have to love each other. And Peter, he says, love each other deeply. Mm. It's hard. Moving forward into the year that lies ahead, maybe this one was for you. Maybe you're struggling to love somebody. Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to freely offer that love so that you can step into the complete will of God. Does that make sense? Love each other deeply. Why? Because it's going to cover over a lot of sins. This next one, be hospitable. This version says uh, uh, freely share your home, right? Just let people in. Let people in. Be hospitable. It's a fun word. 
something's going to be on the screen. If, if, your, if your doormat says, welcome, make sure you mean it. You can chuckle there. You can go, ah, man, why'd you write that? I'm going to go home and throw mine in the trash. <laughs> right? If your doormat says, welcome, make sure you mean it. At this particular point, should be now, but, but in, in Scripture, hospitality was a very big deal. And you see, I think our culture has kind of blurred the lines. We've muddied the water of what hospitality really is. We've turned hospitality into hosting. Hosting takes all the attention off the guest and puts it on the host. Is my house clean? Do I have enough food in the refrigerator? Do I have the proper serving dishes? Do I have enough square footage? Does my house look like Chip and Joe? Have I done everything possible to be the best host? And and you see it becomes less about the guest and more about you. That's what our culture has done to this beautiful word of hospitality. Hospitality really means all the attention is placed on the guest. So maybe thinking, well, what does what, what, what this have to do? How you greet people, how you open the door to your home tells me a whole lot about how you love Jesus. Tells me a whole lot. Maybe, just maybe, that when we open our door to our home, we're opening the door for somebody to see Jesus. See, this, this New Testament word of hospitality, it's a really loaded word, and I think we read over it way too fast. It was expected of them. If you believe in Jesus, open your door. Be hospitable. If somebody's hungry, give them a meal. If somebody needs a place to stay, offer up the couch. If somebody's cold, bring them in. We're too worried about us when it comes to hospitality, which it turns it into hosting and not of God at all. So as we're looking at what, first, what Peter is saying here about experiencing the will of God, having the same attitude as Christ and living for Jesus, he's listing these things out. And for him to list hospitality is a big deal. Maybe you've always struggled with welcoming people into your home. Maybe that's been a big deal for you. Maybe you're not a part of a small group because you feel guilty that you're going to go to somebody else's home when you won't even open yours. Maybe this is a struggle for you. And just like it's a big deal for you personally as a believer, it's a big deal here at church as well. We put a lot of emphasis on putting people outside, smiling, giving high fives, warmly greeting people. How we interact, how we experience and show hospitality to people is very important. So this is a shameless plug for you to be a part of the welcome team. Can you smile? Why not you smile at me right now? Everybody smile. I'm looking. I'm seeing. Everybody's capable. We can smile. Everybody give me an air five right now. You can do that. I want everybody to say hello. hello. You are instantly qualified <laughs> to be a part of the welcome team here at church. It matters when somebody gets out of their car all the way to this front door. Everything that happens between that space is really important. It tells them all they need to know about what it's like in here. 
Are we hospitable? Essentially, that word means serve, serve like Jesus, love people. How can that set root in your heart as we move forward in 2020? I want some communication cards with, I want to be on the welcome team today. Let's do that. Let's do that. Fourth point is this. Let God use you. We get that from verse 10 and 11. If you will, let me read verse 10 and 11 again. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Peter urges, use them to do what? Serve one another. Then he gives a couple examples. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God. Now this spiritual giftedness, it could be a sermon on its own. We don't have really time to break all that down, but I want to I simplify it for you. I believe with all my heart that if you are in God's word constantly and you are communicating with him in prayer daily, he's going to make your giftedness known to you. I really do believe that. There's no assessment, no test, no paperwork, nothing you have to do to figure that out. He's going to make it known to you. And here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that many in this room are well aware. I'm not just going to say aware. I'm going to say well aware of your giftedness. But we are allowing the circumstances perhaps of 2019 or all the way back to 2004. I don't know. We're going to let those circumstances suppress our giftedness. And we're not going to step in to what God has gifted us to do for his glory. That's what, that's what it says. So maybe you're looking back at 2019. Now remember, it's urgent. Dabo Sweeney, like we got to get it done. Maybe you're looking back and you're thinking, golly. I knew I should have been doing that. But it was just, it was tough. like last year was tough. There was a lot on my mind. There was a lot on my heart. And listen, I'm not roughing you up over that. I totally get it. But if we're not careful, all our circumstances become excuses. And then we're going to wake up in heaven one morning and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't do that. You gifted me, you called me, and I just didn't do it. I do not want that to be the case for you. So as Peter is encouraging these believers, I want to encourage you this morning, use your giftedness. I'm confident that a lot of you know what it is. Whether it's fear, uncertainty, you're just tired, or maybe you're unsure how to do it. Step in to your giftedness. Watch God use you for his glory. Watch God use you. It's going to be the best year yet, I promise. 2020 is either going to be a good year for you or a tough year. Like, I don't have to remind you of that. It's going to go one of two ways, right? But regardless of how next year goes, you and I, we can be found in the center of God's will. 
guess what? Even if your year goes bad, if things don't turn out the way you want, it does not mean that the hand of God was not on you whatsoever. But you can be found in the will of God. That's what Peter wanted for these people. That's what we want for you. That's what God wants for you. That's why we read this kind of stuff. How can we be found in the will of God moving forward? Fully convinced these four things are going to help us do it. What were they? Have a focused prayer life. Love each other deeply. Be hospitable. Welcome people. Be kind. Serve. And use your giftedness. I want to spend a moment and I want to recognize some people in our church that have made a big commitment to, I think, these four things. I really do. So if you were a part of Disciples Path for the last year, take this moment, come on, come on up front. Uh, there was a little over 50 people over the last year that said yes to this challenge and taking part in Disciples Path. A lot of them have texted me, hey man, wish I could be there, we're on vacation, whatever, it's a busy time of year, I get that. We're going to celebrate these wonderful people this morning. Disciples Path, what that is, is a ministry here at Holland Chapel where we want to elevate disciple making in the life of the believer. And essentially these four things, among many others, are taught during this 10-week period of time. The last time we did this was exactly a year ago where we commissioned the first group. This is a big deal. This is a real big deal. This is a 10-week class, if you want to say that, 10-week uh, study, 10 weeks of challenging statements where I would challenge them every single week with this question, are you making a disciple? Are you making a disciple to the point where they got tired of me saying it? And at the end of those 10 weeks, there was a sheet of paper that went around with their name on it with a blank, and they were challenged. Who am I going to disciple? Many of them wrote names, but all of them prayed for that blank. And we can be encouraged by that. You see, I want to be a church that makes disciples. We don't do that just by what we do here. We do that by training you, teaching you on the Great Commission and what that looks like for your everyday life. They spent 10 weeks praying, studying, laughing, talking, sharing, growing in their faith and committing themselves, saying yes to the Great Commission and making disciples. So this morning, what we're going to kind of do is commission them out. For many of them, they've been done with this for several months and they're faithfully doing that. But this is more symbolic, encouraging for them, but also encouraging you for a church to look at these people who've said yes to make disciples. And maybe when this is offered in about three or four weeks, you'll be more likely to say, yeah, I want to take part in that. I'm so thankful that they made that commitment. And today as a church, we're going to pray for them. So it's twofold. We get to pray for them, but also challenge you that when signups come, Maybe it's time for me to say yes to this big challenge of making disciples. I'm thankful for each and every one of you, one of them, and I don't have time to share all the awesome stories about how faith was, was boosted and their, their walk was encouraged, about how they found a passion for the word again, or how they have never really heard the challenge, are you making a disciple? And for the first time in their life, they're thinking about pouring into another person, investing in people. I'm convinced that this is the way the gospel goes forward. 
is by you and me meeting, loving, teaching, sharing Jesus with everyday people in everyday walks of life. That's how we do it. That's how we take the gospel forward. So I'm going to pray for them, and this is going to kind of wrap up our service this morning. Keaton's going to come up here. We're going to sing. It's going to be great. But I want you as a church to pray for these people as they faithfully take part in the Great Commission. Can you as a church do that this morning? Can you pray for these people? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we got this morning. Thank you for the challenge. God, thank you for these people. I'm so thankful that they made the commitment, that that 10-week commitment to, to study your word, to be open and receptive to a life-changing challenge. And God, I pray for them as they move forward. Perhaps many of them may still have a blank and they're still praying, faithfully praying for that person that you want them to disciple. God, I pray that you would just make that person known. Those that have already stepped into that disciple-making relationship, God, I pray nothing but the best for it. I pray that you would allow them to be faithful, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would go before them. And God, help us as a church to encourage one another to invest in the people around us. God, I pray that as we move forward into the new year, as these opportunities are offered for us to to learn more about disciple-making, that we would be a church that says yes to it. God, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being good. But most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus. And thank you for the salvation that he brings. We ask everything in his precious name.